It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. If you came to this podcast for an exciting update about bills in the legislature this week, you came to the wrong place. It was a low-key week at the General Assembly this week, except for Wednesday. We're recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon. Saw some action on Wednesday. Other than that, it's been a ghost town down there, Sky. Yeah, you and I were at the GA this morning, and it was just completely empty, aside from some dressed-down budget appropriators that we saw who appeared to be going into a meeting. Yeah, Senator Brent Jackson, appropriations chair over on the Senate side. He's wearing blue jeans, cowboy boots, and a button-down work shirt. Looked like he was ready to do some battle. Yeah, saw Representative Kyle Hall in, like, shorts and a polo. Was he wearing flip-flops? I don't know. I think he was. But as we said yesterday, Wednesday, we did see action both in the Senate and the House. The House did a few different local bills and then concurred with a couple of things that came over from the Senate side. But the Senate took up the Emergency Powers Accountability Act, which is another iteration of a bill that would require concurrence of the Council of State when the governor declares a statewide emergency. This bill would do that within 48 hours. The Council of State has to concur and it automatically expires after 30 days. If it goes beyond that, the General Assembly then acts. Again, this is all hypothetical because it will be vetoed by the governor, and it seems unlikely that they're taking up any veto overrides because when you're on the NCLEG website right now, over on the left side, it'll show you vetoes, and nothing has been taken up. We saw legislation passed this week dealing with some deregulation of ABC stores and their boards and how alcohol can be purchased in North Carolina. I would say one of the top line items from that bill, it's House Bill 890, that folks are interested in. One, that you could order online from an ABC store. That's a local option, so not all ABC stores will have it. And you have to order and then go pick it up in the store. So it's not like you order something from Amazon and it's going to be delivered to you. You still have to go to the ABC store and pick it up. Two is that at sports arenas, you can get two drinks at one time instead of one. I think a lot of people might be interested in that. And three, I think the another big piece of that bill that folks would be interested in is that distilleries will be able to sell on Sundays their products when ABC stores are closed on Sundays. I think that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to add another one to the list. Social districts. Social districts, but even, even more important than that, I think having refrigeration allowances in the ABC stores is going to change some of the products you see in the ABC source. So they've been disallowed up until this bill passed. And of course, it still needs the signature of Governor Cooper. I think it will be signed into a law or allowed to become law after 10 days. But the social districts, yes, that was also a big 
ask for this bill? Let's say there's a little first Friday going on downtown and you get a drink, you would be able to move within the block that you're in with that drink. It would create a specified space. There are some provisions and we should point out that we are registered lobbyists for the North Carolina Association of ABC Boards. There are some provisions that go into effect next year, June of 2022, that we will be working on with legislators. But overall, this is something that a lot of customers have been asking for. And we saw a bipartisan support both in the House and in the Senate for this legislation. There was a lot of talk this week inside the General Assembly about an announcement by Superior Court Judge David Lee. Sounds like he gave an ultimatum to the General Assembly that they have until October to come up with a remedy for this long-standing court case, the Leandro case, as it's called, in which the school systems were found in 1994 to not be constitutional because they don't provide the opportunity for everyone to have a universal sound basic education. And so this has been something that the General Assembly has been kicking around for decades now. And this Superior Court judge sounds as if he's going to hold someone in contempt of court. He says, I don't want to have to hold anyone in contempt. And talking to legislators, talking to staffers, sounds as if they're saying he doesn't have the authority to do this. Well, his ultimatum was, I'm going to give them one last chance to appropriate this money. And I think if the General Assembly followed that plan, how much money would it be total? Talking to a staffer yesterday on the House side who deals with education policy, we're talking upwards of $70 billion in order to remedy this, this gap that the judge found decades ago. So just a little context, we are right now debating a $25.7 billion entire state budget which 57% of that goes to K-12, community college, and university. So 25.7. We're talking almost three times that amount of our state budget to remedy just the Leandro problem. I don't see budget negotiations taking on this issue between now and October And it's going to be very interesting to see what his reaction is at the courts. It's interesting that he stated it that way, because I think the thing that we were all saying is like, well, what is he going to do? That's like me saying if the General Assembly doesn't appropriate to my clients, I'm going to go ahead and appropriate the money. Like, okay, I'll use my monopoly money and do that. The General Assembly has the power to appropriate money. That's their job. So the courts can't force them to appropriate money. Here's the question. If he takes some action, let's say he holds the 170 members of the General Assembly in contempt of court. What happens the minute that happens? What happens the day after that happens? What is at his disposal? Anything? You're the attorney here. What are they going to come arrest or fine all of the General Assembly members? 
personally? Can he give powers to the governor to appropriate money out of the general fund? You're going to have to talk to someone a lot smarter than me about that. Well, maybe we just sit back and pop some popcorn and wait for October to come. That will be the subject, I think, of a future podcast because I don't see the General Assembly moving on this. And just to give it some historical context, Leandra's been around for decades. I used to run a child advocacy organization. I was the lobbyist for the Covenant with North Carolina's Children at the time the Superior Court judge who was handling the case for the Supreme Court was a judge, Howard Manning, and he would blister the General Assembly. And we're talking about when Democrats were in control. He would blister the General Assembly and chide them. He would criticize them. He would go into the media and talk about how they are shortchanging the Leandro court case. And out of that, the General Assembly would respond. They put money into the disadvantaged student fund. They created the low wealth fund. They put money into early childhood education. But Judge Howard Manning, who was a Republican, uh, never talked about holding anyone in contempt of court. He was a very colorful judge. He's now retired. This is a whole new level of talking to the General Assembly and the media, and I just don't see that playing out. Speaking of budget negotiations, speaking of this General Assembly session, there was an announcement last week from Senator Bill Rabin, who chairs the Senate Rules Committee. He announced in two weeks we're shutting down committees, which is usually an indication that the General Assembly is winding down its legislative work. Meanwhile, as we pointed out today, budget chairs are behind closed doors. They are negotiating the budget. We also know subcommittee chairs meet this coming Wednesday. Is the General Assembly shutting down? Are we just going to go into budget negotiations, you think, for the next couple weeks? Your guess is as good as mine on that. We don't know if Senator Rabin was saying that as sort of a threat to the House or if he meant that. I know that the House did schedule some committees next week, but I don't think the Senate has scheduled anything yet. It'll be interesting to see if that is something that actually happens. One legislator who has been working on the budget is Representative Erin Perret. We sat down and talked with her about her work at the General Assembly. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Aaron Perret, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. First, could you just tell us about your district? Why do you think your district is special? Where is it? So I represent District 37, which is Southern Wake County. So I have a portion of Apex and most of Holly Springs and most of Fuquay Verena, including an unincorporated area, Willow Spring area that sort of lines up with the Johnston County line to the east. And I think my district is really special because it's very diverse. I mean, you have farmland over in the unincorporated area, it's closer to Johnston County. 
And then you have Apex, which is, you know, a, a professional area, a lot of young professionals there, Holly Springs and Fuquay Verena, you know, a lot of families and, and older people who've lived there for years and seen that whole area sort of transition from very rural, not very populated, and now there's a lot of development happening there, a lot of road expansion. So I think that um, it's, it's a very diverse part of Wake County with a lot of different interests going on. But I also think it's, it's quite interesting because I think this is, we're in a time where that Southern Wake County is maybe evolving a little bit with population growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of folks that have lived there for many years are seeing changes happening. And so it's a good time to be in policy making so we can help um, you know, Southern Wake and North Carolina sort of ease into those transitions a little bit better. Yeah, that area has really just blossomed. Mm-hmm. Have you been in that area for a long time or how did you come to be in your district? Well, we're a military family. So, uh, you know, I met my husband who was stationed at Fort Bragg 17 years ago, I'd say now, maybe 18. I can't remember. But, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we've traveled all over the country, just TDY where we were stationed. And then we ended back to up to uh, Fort Bragg at, 82nd Airborne. So we um, wanted to set down roots in an area that was sort of close in a commuting distance to Raleigh because I have a policy background. So we've been in Holly Springs for six years, maybe close to seven now. So and even in that period of time, it, I've seen Holly Springs change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, with 540 coming through and just population growth. And so we see a lot of changes, but it's going to continue that way. You know, being f- originally from Northern Virginia, okay. sometimes I look at how the growth and the fast pace of rapid growth in Northern Virginia, maybe 25 years ago. And it looks a whole lot like what's happening down in Southern Wake County. So. You are in your freshman term at the General Assembly. What, what made you decide to run for the General Assembly? We located to Holly Springs area. Um, I started getting involved in the community. So we own a small business called mm-hmm. Play It Again Sports. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plug your business. Go ahead. I know. <laughs> My son shops for frisbees. We play frisbee golf and ultimate. So yeah, you guys help yeah. us a lot because you can get some good used. Yeah, disc golf is a big thing in yeah. Southern Wake I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't even know that that existed as a sport until we moved here. And there was a lot of people that play that. But yeah. um, so we became small business owners. So you know, when you own a small business and you have a staff, employees like Nate. I think we have 10 now and you have to watch every dollar that goes out and every dollar that comes in and, and managing your staff, making sure that they can be paid well and, um, you can afford your products and, you know, all at the store and rent and everything. Um, you really start looking at how much is this permit to get this done going to cost me and how much tax, how much in tax am I paying? And, And so you really start getting involved in, policy just because you live those decision the consequence of those decision making um but i also was a pta president for two years served on our pta board for three years um and i served on the board of adjustment for the town of holly springs so when you're involved in a community like that you you really can see the nuts and bolts of how things work and how people really feel about certain issues like education like education funding um communities, what the municipalities need, what they're asking for, um, how the states and linked into that. And so I think that that experience really 
convinced me, you know, this is the right time for me to get engaged and involved. And, and I knew I had a hunch, a gut feeling that I was the right person at the right time for the job. So I decided to throw my hat in the ring. Not only are you a, a legislator, you're in your first term, but I understand you spent some time as a lobbyist at the federal level. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. I look back at that time, you know, I spent about maybe seven years up in D.C. Um, as a lobbyist. And, you know, you say that when normal people hear the term lobbyist, it's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we probably don't like you, you're a lobbyist. Mm-hmm. But um, I have to say that experience prepared me in a good way for this experience. I mean, you get to see how the sausage is made and, and legislation. You get to see the good, the bad, the ugly. And you get to meet people, you know, people who are elected to public office that really want to do good work. And some maybe not so much. They're more involved in the political side of it but but I think just working with some good people who have some legitimate issues they want to see fixed at the federal level and how federal policy impacts localities you know how a decision making at the regulatory level up at the agency level can affect a small business down in Holly Springs or Fuquay Varina so so having that experience really sort of prepared me in transitioning into this role as a legislator at the state level. Do you like the political side? Because you're in a tough district, right? It's Republicans in Wake County are, um, well, I think you're the only Republican House member from the Republican mm-hmm. Party. Do you like that side of it? You know, and I think someone once said, and it stuck with me, that um, good policy is good politics. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of goes hand in hand. You know, yeah. it's... When you're doing good work that impacts small business and people in a positive way, families, that really is good politics too. You know, Mm -hmm. one thing is it's always, I think, a challenge. One challenge is always getting that communicated to to folks, you know, and my district is, um, like we talked about, very diverse and we, it's probably, I mean, some people would call it purple, which isn't, you know, red Republican, blue Democrat, but sort of a mix. So, you know, my mission is really just to go in and, and, and um, be a legislator from the perspective of doing what makes sense for people. And I think that there's some issues in Southern Wake County that everybody can agree is really important, like mm-hmm. education, like the economy, like public safety. And of course, we're a high growth area, so transportation and roads and some of those local issues are very important too. But, but I think that that's, you know, it's good politics to just be a servant of the people, and that's really what I'm focused on. Yeah, for listeners out there, if you go to Representative Perret's Facebook page, you really do a great job of keeping your constituents up on what's happening, the budget process, bills you've worked on that week. It really is informative. So you you let your work speak for itself, and that plays into the politics. Very good. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about the differences between federal legislation and state work? I worked for a member at one point, and I know that people will call, and they'll be like, oh, vote for this and it's a congressional bill or something like that can you talk about those differences between federal work and state work what do you think is the big difference well spending time on capitol hill i I think from and being a legislator at the state level i think there's one glaring difference that maybe i would maybe a casual observer walking in one one see but a member of Congress has a larger staff Mm -hmm. so they have a lot of people that can help with press and can help with specific issues like health care and then another person does education another person does foreign policy you know so here at the legislature especially as a freshman we have one legislative assistant and there is a wide spectrum of a lot of issues that we deal with 
So that can be a little bit challenging sometimes when um, it's just hard to get a firm grip on all the issues that come in and cross your desk. So and it's it's and it's too much for just one legislative assistant to be able to handle on a substantive level as as they're also handling your calendar and con- constituent matters and so forth. So we really, at least I do, have to rely on lobbyists that come mm-hmm. in as the subject matter experts um, to answer questions. And and so far, it's been it's been really good to work with those people at the state level because they really are the subject matter experts and they'll tell you at least in my experience the truth this is how what we feel but the opposition is saying this so you can get a clear picture of both sides so just just i think the the legislative support analysis staff member that's a big difference between the federal level and the state level Mm -hmm. yeah i know your family means a lot to you you're a proud mom your kids are athletic and you and your husband run this small business together can you take us through how you met your husband i find this story intriguing sure so um and this is a very popular story so um but back in my youth when i was in college um you know i was on a, the i went to george mason university for my undergrad and my graduate degree so my last year in my undergrad i had a friend that said you know aaron why don't you come with me and let's try out for the washington redskins cheerleaders All right. and i thought i don't know we'll see maybe i mean but it was I said, why not? You know, you're you're young, you're fit, it's fun, you know, it's it's your college days. So I show up, I try out, and I get selected to be part of the team. So uh, so I became a Redskins cheerleader, um, mm-hmm. and uh, for three seasons I cheered. And uh, I have to say it was probably the most fun I've ever had. Really? Is <laughs> yeah, it fun? It was a, okay. it was a good time. I mean, yeah. it was, um, you know, of course, my mom and my dad, they're very conservative. Mm. And so here I am on, you know, in this gigantic stadium with shorts on with, you know, did, you know, out there in front of a lot of people cheering. And I think that they just didn't love that idea. But when you're 20 years old and, you know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of seemed like a good idea at the time. But mm-hmm. um, so but how that connects with how I met my husband is. Um, the last season that I chaired, we, my, let me back up. The first season I chaired, it was 9-11. Oh. So this is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, we're in the nation's capital, so it was a very patriotic time. Um, but once the war started and our troops started going overseas, you know, the, the cheerleaders um, started making trips overseas to visit the troops. You know, by, back then the troops were pulling 15-month deployments. Yeah. So um, we would take just a couple of weeks with a, um, it was sort of like a USO tour, it was called an Armed Forces Entertainment Tour, and we would go over with some other entertainers, comedians, and so if you probably followed that, sort of like the Bob Hope Mm -hmm. trips overseas, um, to meet and greet our troops. So um, in my third season, we took a trip over to Baghdad, Iraq, and uh, there was 12 of us that went, and he was in the Rapid Response Unit for 82nd Airborne. And he was over there. He was in, in Baghdad. And so and I met him in the green zone. So we are, we're over there visiting his unit. He was a captain. He was in command at the time. And then all the cheerleaders showed up. And he was actually a little irritated that we were there because he had a unit out, out, out of the gate. And there was a sandstorm. And the windows blew in. And he, he had to deal with all this. And now he had to deal with cheerleaders. Just like, oh, you know. But, <laughs> Terrible. I know. <laughs> That's right. So, but, um, but I... I 
kind of got to know him there and yeah. we just started talking long distance and um, started dating and then the rest is history got engaged got married and and we've been married about almost 16 years how long were y'all dating long distance across the world well he was uh, deployed we, we were there for two weeks and I think he stayed another maybe a few months so oh, okay. we would write letters and emails and cool. um and he actually had a satellite telephone okay. over there so we talked on the phone a couple times but it was really a long distance get to know you mm-hmm. you know thing and um of course I, it's funny because now nobody can pronounce my last name except you <laughs> you guys are just good. hip hip hooray right. it's Aaron <laughs> Perret. that's right we, that's, that's you right. you told told us this that's what I tell people all the time that's how you say it that's right well well I remember meeting him and saying, how do you pronounce your last name? So is it par or pear or with like the fruit or how, you know, but, um, but he, you know, it was obviously, he's, he told me a story when he was young. His first name is Wayne. And so the kids used to tease him, don't Wayne on my parade. That's what they used to say. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of stuck with me. But, but um, it was probably a several months um, until we finally met E.J. He was living at Fort Bragg area and I was in D- the D.C. area. So we had to commute together and meet and, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just kind of came best friends and ended up getting married. This interview is going live the Friday before the NFL kicks off. Do you follow football? Are you a football fan, a Washington football team fan? I know. that. Well, I am a football fan. Um, The Washington football team is different now than it was you know all those years ago so and and actually they did they don't have a cheerleading team anymore yeah they have a dance team and I'm actually not very familiar with it um I haven't kept up with it but I do keep up with some close friends of mine that were on the team with me all those years ago and their moms now too and professionals and we just have those memories and traveling overseas to visit troops is probably the most profound profoundly um emotional and important in a way mm-hmm. um experience it, it's just a once in a lifetime experience and you know we've been i've been to gitmo and pakistan and saudi arabia and europe and the balkans and baghdad and and the troops are just the soldiers are just excellent people and mm-hmm. they were you know this is right before fallujah got bad and we went out there and um and so i you know you can't help but make that connection now to what's going on in afghanistan yeah. So uh, it's kind of a sad thing, but just they just really dedicate themselves to to the to the mission, and and you see that firsthand when you go visit them in a war zone, um, yeah. what they're what they're going through, and so. But it was a it was a great time in my life, and yeah. um, I'll never forget it. And and of course, you know, Wayne was pretty popular back then when he started in a cheerleader <laughs> from overseas. It's kind of a neat story, but. He's a great guy, and we have a great life now. As you were describing being a cheerleader while in college, this is taking me to thinking about your organization level has to have always been very strong, working on federal bills, coming here. And something I've noticed about you, actually, is that you always show up to meetings on time. Yes. Very good. I have (laughs) noticed that. Like, in rules, you're always there on time sometimes the only person on time john torbett's in there playing music that's That's true that is true um can you talk about just that time commitment how do you organize let's say like you said all of those bills that you and your la have to read 
Well, I appreciate that. I think I have to I have to not give myself too much credit because even with rules, I show up late and I'm still early because they always start late. That's true. <laughs> just, but um, you know, I think that being a mother, you just have to sort of work through that anyway. You're managing everybody's clothes, their food, their schoolwork, and you just have to kind of be organized to get the whole house together and I think is it just as a mother a lot of us who are mothers would would probably say that just some it's out of necessity of the role you just kind of have to become organized to to make everything work but but I think you know from a legislative standpoint I think it's important to sort of pick the issues and I've learned to do this since I've been there instead of trying to take everything on and try to make a difference in every single category really pick the subjects that you really feel deeply and care a lot about and then try to really make inroads on on a few rather than too many because it's hard to do great at too many things mm-hmm. but really focus on a couple things and I, I think that that's what has been working for me so far but I'm a list maker I mean so I put everything down in the evening this is what I have to do at these certain times the next day. This is what somebody's eating. I have to put this in their backpack, you know. So I'm really, I have, my my lists are really my Bible. And I, even my legislative assistant, I say, my schedule, my calendar is my Bible. If mm-hmm. I don't know what, if you don't have it down there and where I have to be, then I probably won't get there. So it has to all be written up. That's really how I do it. I don't know if you know, but Brian got a planner this year. So he wants to be like that. <laughs> He has fallen off of that wagon, but he was going to be a list maker. So maybe you could find some inspiration here. I'm inspired. (laughs) We noticed quickly into this session, again, your first session down there, that you were getting things done. I remember we had a conversation with Majority Leader John Bell, and he said, yeah, you need to go speak to Representative Perret. And we've taken some issues to you. you. You have already made an impact on the budget. We saw you advocated for a lot of our support personnel to get an adequate raise and you wanted to bring that floor up to $15 an hour. We see that reflected in the budget in year two specifically. Your work on human trafficking, we saw you influence the Senate budget as it came over to the House. So you're picking these issues, you're drilling down. Not all freshmen have this kind of success early. I appreciate that. I think that when those successes do happen, I really am so happy about it, you know, and I think it's not so much about waving that flag and going, I'm so awesome, this happened, you know, but really kind of taking those victories and and going, I really made an imprint here. You know, Mm -hmm. I actually got something done for it. Again, it goes back to what you really believe in, what should happen. And when a little piece of a bill that you amended to add shows up in a different vehicle and you mm-hmm. get it passed this happened this week with um the school boards and the masking you know mm-hmm. stuff that that really is like oh okay that was a really good idea and i'm glad that that really caught on and it, like you said the non-certified school employees mm-hmm. I mean, that was really important i mean when you're a pta president and you deal with this all every single right. day and you know that change needs to be made and um and you really advocate for it and then it happens mm-hmm. uh it's it just feels really good to know that your voice kind of matters and pushing and keeping in everybody's ears really paying off and it's benefiting people who really need that help. So I appreciate that. This is the big question. Um, Our politics are incredibly polarized right now. If you could fix one thing in our political realm, what would that one thing be? I would like folks to 
hear an opposing viewpoint in order to listen and not attack. So I think <laughs> listening is not just hearing, but I think people hear it to um, as a launching pad to then go back and attack. And I, and I just think that we're not listening to each other if we do that. It's, it's always a, well, I don't like you. You're not on this side of the aisle. So whatever you say, I'm just going to listen to it, find a problem with it, and then just come at you. And a lot of times we don't really get to facts and, and the, the meat of a matter when, that, then when we're caught up in that type of back and forth behavior. And, and I think that's unfortunate um, because I really do believe whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent or nothing at all, everybody wants to improve the way we do business here in Raleigh, um, what we do for the people of, of North Carolina. And we might disagree on how we do that. But I can't say that anybody's, well, I do think that some people are just wrong sometimes. But, <laughs> of course, yeah. but I think that, and there's a right and a wrong way to do it from my perspective. But I'm not sure that um, it's because they have a D next to their name. It's just based on their experience. They see things a different way than I do. And I think if we had more of an open-mindedness and a willingness to consider different point of view, not as not to just take that and attack with it, then we could get a lot more done in the legislature, probably also on the federal level. That is really good. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Representative Aaron Perret, we appreciate everything you do for your district, everything you do for the state. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So getting to know Representative Perret and working with her on some legislation This is one of those classic cases, Sky, where your first impression about a legislator is what you see in their first campaign in their race for the General Assembly. If you read what's in the newspaper or you read what comes into your mailbox from their opponent, you're you're just going to have negative thoughts. But she really is a treat to work with. And, and, and the same with her opponent, Representative, or now Senator Sidney Batch. Um, they are really good people, and sometimes it's, it's unfair that they get painted in a way coming out of a campaign. The first time I had heard Representative Perret speak was when the NNO interviewed both her and Senator Batch. And they kind of went back and forth on issues like education, healthcare, and they had some philosophical differences. But to be honest, when I listened to the podcast, I was like, they kind of sound similar, Mm -hmm. both small business owners, and they both care about education and healthcare. And I thought, hey, these two women sound like they're actually pretty close in what they believe. And the campaign really didn't paint it that way. But I think that is something to highlight. It is. And I think that the voters from that area, which is the southwestern part of Wake County, as we said, Holly Springs, Fuquay, Verena, I think they won completely because Representative Perret is representing them in the House. And now we have Senator Sidney Batch. She lost that election, but when Senator Sam Searcy resigned from the Senate, that seat went to Senator Batch. So I feel like they really have the best of both, and they have really two 
talented legislators representing that area, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I really feel like you could go to either of them with whatever is on your mind, and they're going to hear you out. And chances are, if they, if they really believe in what you're saying and, and what you want fixed, they are going to work hard to help you. So in this week's installment of I Saw Danny Britt, Brian Lewis saw Danny Britt. Well, I have to say, I think Senator Danny Britt saw me because I was on the third floor of the legislative office building. I'm just minding my own business. We've got some clients in town. So it seems like he's talking to me, but I need you to close your eyes and picture that he's actually reading this directly from his diary. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I get a wave from Senator Britt. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, so I wave back. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I'm playing it cool. Right. Cool as a cucumber. That's you. <laughs> and then I hear, hello, Brian Lewis, as he's walking out the door. And that is my I saw Danny Britt moment for this week. Wow. Were you impressed? I was impressed. I'm more impressed by how it can really just lift your mood and you become a new person when Danny Britt acknowledges you. Yeah. It needs to be pointed out that last week you hosted the podcast without me. I was taking my daughter to college. And so Dylan Real had to stand in for me on the podcast, which he did a great job. It's weird. Actually, Brian's just now standing in for Dylan Real. Yeah, that's right. I am. I'm, I'm keeping the seat warm for Dylan. But there was something noticeably missing from last week's podcast, and, and that was there was no mention of Senator Danny Britt. This is, that was our 27th installment <laughs> of the podcast. We had made a reference to, for him, I think 17 episodes straight, and then it was broken. I mean, could you and Dylan just not find anything to talk about with <laughs> Senator Britt? Or what, what happened there? I don't know. I guess we don't really toe the line of creepiness in the same way you do. <laughs> no, but I did enjoy the podcast last week. I thought Dylan did a great job, loved his insight from being on staff and talking about the vetoes. Uh, what a great guy. And and I really do appreciate him standing in for us and keeping the podcast going. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. What you got on the tweet of the week? Okay. For the tweet of the week this week, I chose a tweet from Becky Gray, at Becky Gray. And it says, life of a policy idea. You're one. That's just straight up crazy. Year two, maybe we should look at it. Year three, let's join the fight over it and fight like hell to get it. Year four, why didn't we do this like four years ago? (laughs) You could apply that to medicinal marijuana, online sports gambling. Yeah, I could see that. Way to go, Becky. Becky is the vice president over at the John Locke Foundation. I have something I want to talk about. All right. I want everyone in their mother to know that Brian Lewis is a cheater at board games. (laughs) It was your 31st birthday this Uh past week. Happy birthday, by the way, once again. Thank you. So we're playing board games. We're playing Taboo. Yeah. So the way Taboo works, Uh for those who have not played it, is that there is a word at the top of the card and you describe to your partner, your team, 
that you're trying to get them to guess that word without saying the words that are on the card. So Brian's partner is saying to Brian, what a great blank. Now, I don't know what you might say. Concept, for example, would be something to put into that blank. But instead, Brian yells, toenail. (laughs) (laughs) So we're laughing like, that's hilarious. Why would he say toenail? Well, wouldn't you know it, the next card that comes up is toenail. (laughs) So Brian told me later he memorized the words, but he memorized them in the wrong order. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you also have to make your exchanges happen within a certain amount of time, and there's a little hourglass. The sand has left the hourglass. You get beeped, but you keep going on. That's so not true. Do not deflect from you actually cheating to bring it in and make it sound like we were cheating. I felt like my partner and I... Take the L and go home, sir needed to play on an equal footing with you and oh. your partner. So you had to cheat to beat us because we we're so good. Wow. And, by the way, you weren't even good at cheating. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we still came up a little bit short. A but, lot short, folks. A lot short. But uh, I, I predict that my partner and I will get better coordinated and memorize our <laughs> cards in order next time. I said to Brian that they were cheating and I didn't even notice it. And he was like, that's because you guys were so focused on your own words, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which yeah. is the point of the game. Yeah. You, you guys were into it. So we were just playing flashcards over there <laughs> in front of you, just going through. But we just got to get better at taboo and we will, we'll, you know, next time we play, we'll be ready for you. But happy birthday. It was a good birthday. It was a good birthday. 31 years old. Mm-hmm. How's that feel? Same as 30. Well, that is our podcast for this week. Looking forward to next week. Have no idea what's happening at the General Assembly. I think it's going to be another light week. Yeah. In the meantime, rate, review, share this podcast, help us find listeners, help listeners find us. We hope that you have a great weekend, a great week next week, and we hope that you always remember to do politics better. Help.